there's over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to Net Zero Carbon. This is the show at Freight Waves, where we deep dive on decarbonization with the special lens of freight, fuels, and energy. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and today I'm joined by Jerry Miller, Director of Business Development at U.S. Energy. Jerry, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for joining the show. Listeners should be excited. We've got a fun one. We're going to dive into a couple different of my favorite solutions, getting actual deployment of decarbonization, all fuels on the road. Um, but before we get there, let's get a little bit of the Jerry story. What's your background? How did you end up at, uh, at uh, U.S. Energy? And what are you focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Jerry Miller, like you said, Director of Business Development. I work within the U.S. Energy Group at U.S. Venture. For those of you who aren't too familiar with U.S. Venture, we're a large privately held company headquartered in Appleton, Wisconsin. And our mission is to bring the very best transportation products and sustainability solutions to market to help move the world forward. And I've been lucky to be working here for almost a year and a half uh, with my primary focus on electrification projects and how do we overcome obstacles within the electrification industry as the world becomes uh, more and more electrified. Uh, prior to working here, uh, I had the privilege of working as a defense contractor for the U.S. Navy for a little more than a decade, helping them with electrification projects. Uh, most notably, they're working on the Ford class aircraft carrier power distribution systems. And I've really kind of taken that program management electrification background to U.S. Venture, and I've started uh, developing a new product that I'm excited to talk to you today called Bolt Vaults. Super, super exciting. Thanks for sharing. And I, I guess I had written that down, but I'd forgotten the connection between the work you were doing at the federal contractor prior. And there's some very clear through lines there that make sense. The listeners will understand when we talk a little bit more about what Volt Vault is. But I'm curious on a personal level, like the the parallels between your prior work and what you're doing at U.S. Energy. Have you always been interested in this sort of solution, like electrifying? Is it a, a problem-solving, exciting thing for you, or is it more environmentally focused? Like, what's your, your motivation? Uh, you know, kind of a combination. For me, it's about working on big missions. So when you're working with the U.S. Navy, uh, the big missions are obvious. It's about getting large-scale projects up and running and, and doing all the hard work that it takes to do that. Um, and here at U.S. Venture, I have the opportunity to figure out how we can help participate in solving some of the struggles uh, within the electrification market uh, to help accelerate uh, accelerate EV adoption with the end goal of sustainability, uh, more environmental benefits, and so on and so forth. So for me personally, it's about always kind of having a big goal in mind. Uh, and that's kind of one, one thing, uh, one of the soft things I'm transferring from the last job to this job. Very cool. I'm glad to see it paying off and Boltpark starting to make its way to the market. Let's jump in there. Let's talk a little bit about what the solution is. Yeah, absolutely. So Volt uh, Volt is a EV charging product we're bringing to market. And it kind of comes from this idea of traditional EV infrastructure uh, has two constraints that kind of make like this Venn diagram. Um, you have to have available electrons and you have to have a willingness to invest in a property. So that sounds kind of easy, but uh, both of which aren't as common as you might think. Uh, having the availability of electrons, uh, when you're talking about EV charging at scale, especially for fleet applications, you're talking about megawatts of power into parking lots that may be used to only have uh, a street light or something like that. So that's, that's a big project. And then when you talk about having the willingness to invest in a property, 
you have to talk about a long-term commitment um, for a pretty significant investment. And what we're finding is a lot of trucking companies either lease their property or they have expansion plans and they don't really want to like sink a bunch of assets into a physical address. So with those two constraints in mind, Volvo was kind of born. And, and what it is, is it's an on-site power generation unit. Uh, so it's this purpose-built machine dedicated for EV charging that sits within a fairly standard shipping 40-foot shipping container uh, that runs really off two different power systems. Uh, the first one is the primary power system that runs through our uh, either compressed natural gas, renewable natural gas, or standard pipeline gas through a genset and through a uh, level three dispenser capable of charging up to 180 kW. Um, and that's really what gets you the primary power that does the hard work of charging the EVs. The secondary system and what keeps us completely off grid is uh, something I'm kind of taking from my Navy experience, which was uh, the hotel power system. So what that hotel power system is, is it's uh, some solar panels and an onboard battery. And in combination, those two things take care of all the low voltage needs that all the other equipment provides. Things such as like just as simple as like a light in a room or a heater for the generator or the LED screen for the charger. All these things are hungry for low voltage power. And with our hotel power system, we're able to provide that. Those two things in combination, all packaged within a fairly standard container, allow us to deploy EV charging uh, basically anywhere. Uh, without a connection to the grid. So then that eliminates your need to have available electrons because you're creating electrons on site. And it eliminates the need to invest in our property because you have a redeployable solution that you can take with you as your business grows. That is a really exciting, innovative solution that the market seems to be asking for because the the headwinds I'm hearing from a lot of fleets are around what you just mentioned, right? It's expensive. It's time-consuming to actually invest Getting that to an investment decision can be challenging, depending on how long and committed your organization or your customers are. And so this seems, you know, not necessarily a stopgap, but is it intended to be an on-ramp and then go away? Or is this something you can imagine fleets continuing to use and maybe move around there? Is this a, uh, a solution that you view more of an on-ramp for fleets and then it goes away or goes to another location? Or do you see this as more being a permanent solution for fleets that are getting into EV charge? Yeah, we really see this uh, project having multiple legs. So I think initial deployments, it's going to be seen as a bridge technology or kind of way I like to think about it is like a pragmatic step on an EV adoption ladder to accelerate uh, that process. So as people are waiting the lengthy two, three, four year lead times in order to uh, electrify a property, they could use VoltVault as a stopgap there. But then there are other situations where we think you could have a more permanent fixture in a, in a company's operation, uh, two I'll point out is one, in a really rural locations, we'll be able to place this uh, and really connect, a, work, have it work like a hub and spoke system where you create another node on your network where now you know there's always a fast charger available um, in a really rural location where maybe there isn't even power lines. Uh, so that would be one case where we can see it having a long life. And then in another case too, <clears throat> because we're fully off-grid and running off renewable natural gas, or, or standard natural gas, uh, you, you can uh, have this augment your existing EV infrastructure. And what you get is uh, redili- resiliency through redundancy. So anytime you might be worried about a brownout, a power outage, an extreme weather event that could jeopardize your your fleet's ability to hit critical shipments the following day, having a Volvo on site gives you that insurance that even if the grid's out, I can get my most critical trucks up and running. 
really exciting. So recapping that, I like what you said. Um, repeat that phrase. Redundancy. Yeah, it's not. By redundancy. Resiliency through redundancy. That makes a ton of sense. Ton of sense. It brings me to another question now. And sorry, I'm going to start diving in and trying to unpack the solution and how it works. Yeah. Um, when you're saying off grid and you're having the natural gas as the powering the generator for the electrons, do you have to be connected to a gas pipeline or is that gas being trucked in? How's it being delivered? Yeah. So there, there's a, a couple different options on that front. So, so one is if you already have uh, pipeline gas uh, coming to your site where you intend to use a bulb bulb, uh, you know, we can definitely use that. We can do a minor upgrade to your infrastructure, run hard pipe out to wherever the volts can be in your parking lot. And you could be up and running kind of at a continuous rate using that natural gas. The other variant is we have uh, onboard gas storage uh, for our uh, our Volvolt system as well. Uh, so we have compressed gas tanks uh, that can come in and out of the system fairly easily, just a pallet jack or forklift kind of operation. Uh, and then as part of the customer onboarding process, we'll teach our customers, you know, if they're not too familiar with uh, compressed natural gas, uh, where they can go to get those filled up, how they have to move them, or what kind of third-party situation um, they might have to arrange. And then uh, working for uh, a great company like US Energy, we actually have our own, um, we have dozens of our own CNG filling stations across the country too. So they could also just continue to stay within the US Energy umbrella, depending on where they are in the country, uh, to fuel their uh, volt volt system as well. Okay. That makes sense. It's it's a really elegant solution that reminds me a lot of when I first got into this space running CNG LNG trucks, kind of at their inception point in the or inflection point, I guess you'd say in the 2010s, early 2010s. And you saw a lot of these solutions come to market too for the same reason as trucks were coming off the ground and gas at the time is comparable, compar- uh, comparably cheaper than diesel. Um, fleets were starting to move that way and they didn't have either the industry experience or the broad base of install sites for refilling stations. And so you saw these mobile filling stations pop up more and more. Is this kind of the same problem set that's being solved or do you see there's something you know uniquely different about that solution to deliver electrons instead of molecules you know i think there's a lot of parallels um you know we're when we're thinking about electric vehicle fueling uh versus the traditional system you know we're about a hundred years behind on how that's meant to happen so there's a lot of there's a pretty steep learning curve for the drivers involved, uh, the fuel station operators, people thinking about concept of operations for fleet deployments. So I think the parallel you're making to CNGs makes a lot of sense where as the industry is ramping up to be able to support um, um, electric vehicles, that there will be temporary solutions. Start working toward your lower carbon goals today with Chevron Renewable Energy Group's Endura Fuels a complete line of quality renewable fuel solutions available now. To learn more, visit regi.com. Let's talk a little bit about the sustainability aspect of it, because I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be listeners who tune in and say, wait a minute, I thought we were getting away from fossil by going to electric, um, and they may not have a full understanding of how electrons in general get generated. Um, Talk to that skeptic in the audience about why this solution makes sense. We already mentioned resiliency, but maybe like double click into the reason why you want to make electrons from gas. Yeah. So there, there's a, a couple different angles here. So the, the first is what volt volt is enabling is an accelerated transition to EV adoption. So that in its own right 
it is a big step towards um, a really good uh, goals for uh, from the environmental perspective. Beyond that, um, when you look at how many vehicles a Volvo could support, uh, you're looking at the range of about six to ten uh, medium uh, to heavy duty trucks that a single Volvo could support. So for every Volvo that's stationed, in theory, you're taking six to eight uh, diesel trucks off the road. Um, and then another thing to point out is that uh, Volvo also runs off renewable natural gas. Uh, another thing that U.S. Energy uh, specializes in, renewable natural gas as a transportation fuel as one of the, mo- the most negative CI scores out there for a fuel source. So um, that's an available option as well. And then just generally speaking, when you compare diesel to um, uh, CNG or right natural gas fuels, the greenhouse gas emissions are dramatically, dramatically less. Yeah, I remember having that conversation early on, trying to get CNG a decade ago. Right, it was it was a cost play when we went for it, but it also had you know the benefit of much lower emissions compared to diesel. And I think what's unique, and and hopefully listeners can, if nothing else, take this away from this episode: the way that we generate electricity now predominantly comes from gas in many locations. I mean, we have lots of solutions: solar, wind, and hydro. And it's going to be different where you live, coal even in some places. But the difference in having a truck running around emitting locally versus having the production of the electricity happening with the fossil fuel centrally, the added benefit of electrification is those emissions that you're talking about. Not only are they lower than diesel, but the truck itself, when it's moving throughout the community, doesn't have any local pollutants that come out of it. So you have it really just on site where that that unit is, right, with full fall? Absolutely. That's a great point that there, you know, as far as zero tailpipe emissions go and supporting this vehicle, that's exactly right. The, the battery electric vehicles out there that are fueling on both volt systems uh, will not be uh, polluting local areas as they drive around. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, I think a critical component of this offering, and tell me what you're seeing from you know, early customers as you guys go to market with this, is the willingness to bring in renewable natural gas as part of that. So I think the skeptic in the audience hears natural gas to electrification. We're just digging it up. It's traditional, dirty, fossil natural gas. Renewable natural gas, if listeners will go back a couple of weeks to when Lynn Lyon from US Energy was on the show, takes a different production route where it's capturing methane emissions at a point source like a dairy farm or um, using anaerobic digestion to turn that methane and put it into a cleaned up form where it can go to a pipe. That you mentioned earlier has a severely negative carbon intensity because that methane was just going into the atmosphere. That's exactly right. Yeah. And uh, U.S. Energy has uh, multiple um, RNG projects uh, across the United States um, where we're taking uh, dairy gas and we're doing exactly what you said. We're refining it and getting it uh, ready to be in- injected into the pipeline. Um, and it is a, it's an awesome environmental solution. So for those listeners who hopefully understand RNG now, when you use that as the basis for charging these these generators and these trucks in the volt vault, the emissions profile on the full life cycle of that energy looks very different than if we're just plugging into a grid pipeline. So are, are you seeing customers understand that yet? Is that a hard concept to um, to get in your customer's mind? Yeah, I mean, this exact conversation we're having now is something that we're talking to with a lot of prospective customers. And um, it, it takes a little bit of an educational mindset uh, effort on our part. But it's pretty it's pretty straightforward to see, and I think the way uh, we know you and I are describing it now is 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 fairly easy to understand. Okay, what's the 
cost benefit of using something like this. Let's talk a little bit about the the economics because I'm sure that's question number one for most people who want to adopt EVs. If we're willing to get EVs, if customers are willing to pay, you know, how does this solution with Volt Vault compare to, uh, you know, installing your own uh, permanent charging infrastructure? Yeah, so it's very cost competitive. Um, so you kind of have to take it in a couple of parts. What's the capex to install traditional versus the capex to buy Volt? And then what would the OPEX be to run that traditional versus what would it be to run a Volt Vault? And when a head-to-head comparison with uh, onboard compressed natural gas, which would be the more expensive version of Volt Vault and the more expensive version to run because you're paying for that gas compression and the transportation. In a market like California, we're at near cost parity when you look at over a five-year appreciation cycle of the equipment and what you would be paying for equivalent amount of kilowatt hours over a uh, at that time in California. Now, if we look at our pipeline uh, connected version, uh, we can undercost utility uh, utility and traditional infrastructure almost anywhere in the country on a price comparison. Is the utility relationship a tricky one in this? How willing are utilities to see this go out? Because right now we're in, should be in growth mode for utilities across the country. Right. And it seems like a solution both for their electron business and their gas molecule business. So that that's honestly been one of the biggest surprises for me throughout this entire journey. As we were setting this up, you know, we're thinking, all right, utilities, they love providing energy. That's what they do for their business. We're now going to kind of be providing some energy on site. They're probably not going to love that. And actually, we've got nearly the opposite uh, reaction from them. They love having solutions uh, like a Volt Vault that they can help deploy to some of their customers who are in the most dire need of uh, energy uh, for charging solutions. So they see this as a good off-ramp for, uh, like I mentioned earlier, a bridge solution while they're working on large-scale infrastructure upgrades. So, and generally, they've been um, a big fan of it as we on a few conversations we've had with them. Great to hear. And that makes a lot of sense. Are you seeing specific markets open up for this type of solution earlier than others? Like California is always the example, right? There's so many credits available for fleets looking to deploy zero-emission or low-carbon solutions. Is, does this play first in California like a lot of those other ones? And, and if so, is it because of the demand for charging or is it because of the market economics? So, you know, speaking of surprises, that so California definitely is where we had our eye on first. You know, they have a lot of compliance markets. Um, the port operations certainly is a, a spot of particular interest to us. But as far as other markets are concerned, it seems like every uh, trade show we attend or the more people we talk to about this, there are other kind of niche fits for a Volvo type solution uh, that come across. Uh, a couple ones that we've run across recently are construction business, disaster relief business, um, things like that. Um, uh, remote charging in like tribal lands or really remote uh, communities, things like that are all popping up with um, demand for solutions like this on top of uh, what's in California. Do those solutions... Uh, so those seem to be more um, emergency or m- maybe more interested in the resiliency aspect of this as opposed to the traditional environmental play that I think a lot of people associate with this sort of solution. Does that, is that true? Does that play itself out in like a willingness to pay for customers? I really think it kind of goes hand in hand. So they're, they're adopting EVs um, for a number of reasons. It could be a compliance reason. It could be an environmental reason. It could be some other goal they're trying to achieve. Um, and, and they've already made that commitment. Now we're just allowing them or enabling them 
to get their vehicles on the road faster or have a more reliable charging infrastructure. So we're, we're, we're seeing ourselves as uh, facilitating the decisions that they already made to uh, go after those type of goals. It's a great call out <clears throat> too often. And I'm guilty of this myself. It, we do try to paint it as an either or because it's easier to understand. And in many cases, specifically with climate being resilient and trying to mitigate emissions go hand in hand very frequently. So thank you for calling that out. So let's talk a little bit about next steps for Volpal. Where are you guys at in the process? You've been there a year and a half. Is this um, an idea on a factory floor? Is this being deployed? What's the steps for you guys as you go to market with a solution? Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to share. You know, this isn't just a, a model or an engineering scratch off to the side that we're talking about. We uh, we have a fully functional prototype uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right now. Uh, we're in the process of wrapping up uh, some phase two testing on that. Uh, and we're leaning forward on uh, gathering some material for our, our launch customer base. Uh, we intend to do a launch run um, that we'll be building at the end of this year in the start of quarter one, 2024, uh, for three customers, which we're currently in the process of down selecting. And then beyond that, in the later parts of 2024, we'll get into our production runs and start deploying these uh, units at scale. Exciting. And that's got to be one of the big benefits of building this solution set out this way is you can centrally produce. And then because they're modular and shipping in containers, deployment becomes an easier proposition, which should help on cost, right? Absolutely. And and that's a real big design consideration for us is how do we make it easy as possible to move it from where we're going to be manufacturing is in Wisconsin uh, to wherever they might need to go. And given we're using a fairly standard 40 foot container shipping design, uh, there's nothing weird going on with the weight or the height or anything like that. Uh, they're very easy to move around the country. And then once they're set down at whatever their first duty location might be, they're easy enough then to pick up and move on to another facility or, or maybe another branch of a business. Really exciting. So how are you guys um, onboarding customers? So you guys, I know that you, you and I were speaking, you were at Move down in Austin recently, the big mobility event here in North America. Is this uh, existing US energy customers that you have relationships with? Or are you guys just canvassing the market for somebody who's ready to adopt this? Uh, kind of a combination. So we're really keen for these first three launch customers to kind of be in a variety of different industries for a couple of different applications. Um, we really want to, with this launch run, we really want to test our unit uh, in as many different environments and situations as we can so that when we pivot to our production run, we really have a robust pro product uh, with ready to ready to roll out. Can you share a little bit about what some of those different applications or solutions might be at this point? Yeah, absolutely. So the so first of all, there's there's different variants. I've kind of been talking around it generally, but there's four different variants for the Volvo solution. So you have the level three charger with either the onboard gas or it's plugging into a pipeline. So those are two variants. And then the, and then the other version is you could actually set it up uh, with a level two charging uh, with up to ten charging ports, and then with either onboard gas or um, um, uh, pipeline gas fed in. So we really want to deploy the two different variants of the level three chargers, uh, one with the pipeline gas and one with the onboard gas. And we'd like those to be in a little bit different environments. We'd like to have one uh, somewhere in California, likely doing dredge operations or supporting that. We'd like to have somewhere, uh, one somewhere else, uh, maybe supporting a long wheel trucking or kind of filling, filling in a hub and spoke model for a company that's doing an initial deployment of EVs. And then um, um, beyond that, you know, just the next application could be a variety of different things. It could be in a disaster response uh, zone. It could be 
uh, in a rural location. Um, the really the the goal for us for the launch run is just variety and, and customers. Makes a lot of sense, and it's really thoughtful. Not only are you designed the system, but are you going to market with it? I'm excited to see how this plays out. Especially, feels like we're in deploy mode across customer base. I don't know if you're feeling that, but people are ready to stop making uh, claims and setting targets. Customers want to see action and see these things in the wild. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know the the just kind of the the mood in the EV space has pivoted to uh, big ideas that we're we're doing this now. We have trucks on site. This is how we're executing. So we're very happy that we're we're launching this product and really dovetailing that that upswing in the market. Excellent. Well, kudos to you and the team for capitalizing on where we're at in the market and bringing in the experts who have you know comparable expertise to launch similar products. So uh, I'm excited to see where US Energy takes this. Yeah, and um. Yeah, thanks for calling out. I mean, we we're lucky to have a fantastic team working on this, and uh, very lucky to be uh, at a place like US Venture that has such a, a strong willingness to go after a new product or a new niche in a market that's within their larger umbrella of offering transportation products. So it's a it's kind of a cool combination of things for sure. And we'll be sure to link in the show notes more about US Venture, US Energy, and we can include contact information for you and the Volfall team as well as the website. Um, is there anything, I kind of stole my own thunder <clears throat> by asking you at the top about what motivates you for this. I, I generally ask every guest that comes on the show, like what's your personal motivation for embedding sustainability? So if you've got any additional thoughts there, I would love to hear them before we wrap. Yeah. My personal motivation for sustainability is I really like the idea that we're in a position to make a tangible difference for future generations and being in a position to do the right thing today for a better tomorrow to help the planet and future generations is, is something that's a passion of mine. Totally agree. I'm on board. I'm ready to see solutions like this scale. So thank you yeah. for coming on the show, Jerry. <clears throat> I appreciate you sharing your background and more about Volvo. And we look forward to catching up maybe early next year and seeing where you guys are at in deployment and getting some results back in. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Start working towards your lower carbon goals today with Chevron Renewable Energy Group's Endura Fuels a complete line of quality renewable fuel solutions available now. To learn more, visit regi.com. There's over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're gonna have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. <laughs>